This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app for the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked on Rooms. Locker Room changing the way we talk about sports. White Sox! White Sox! Go! 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 Dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence, Actor Wall 23 on Twitter, Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill. Our show is at Locked On Sox 312 566. 8727. I assume there's going to be a lot of those voicemails after this game. Locked on socks at gmail.com is the way you reach us via snail mail. Go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel, Locked on Socks. <sighs> hey, Chris, what's up? Hi, Herb. Yeah, episode 202 today. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it through a week, and you know, that's it's a not good Friday, too, friends. Yeah, great Friday. Um, that's not how you would have, uh, drawing it up when you were talking about this team and starting the year that's uh you know a tense ball game Sox come out on the losing end four to three to the Angels Thursday night in the opening game of the season and let's just start it here you know that's we there are a lot of things uh, in this game but let's preface it all by saying of course it, it's just one game but there are things that you see in this game last night against the angels where this is not championship caliber baseball. You know, I'm, I'm the same guy who predicted this team to go and, and win the world series. And we both, uh, have high aspirations for this team. And what we saw tonight out there in Anaheim late in the game in particular, when, when these games are won late in the ball game, it, it, things were not good. Let's just go straight to the eighth inning because it's, it's where the game was lost for the white Sox here. So, uh, going into the eighth inning, uh, Sox had a lead, and Aaron Bummer comes in. Bummer comes in, and he, he does his job. He solicits weak contact to David Fletcher, who, who led off, but the ball goes off Bummer's glove. He's on first base with a single. So that's not how you drew it up, and you get that feeling that West Coast things are starting to happen to the Sox again. Uh, following that, uh, Shohei Otani comes up, and Aaron Bummer had him looking uh, not so good. Uh, the lefty-lefty matchup was very favorable to to Bummer. He gets uh, you know Otani to ground out to second base, but what happens there is Nick Madrigal uh, trying to force a double play in that spot. He sends a, th- a throw that that gets TA sailing off the bag and no outs are recorded there and herb you know we we are very early we're we're Nick anti Nick magical hipsters here on the show we want the kid to do well but so far all the things that you see from Nick Madrigal uh, are, are helping you lose games more than helping you win games. You know, they, they talk about him just doing everything right on the field and, you know, he's, he's a known commodity and he's a safe pick in the, in, in the first round of the, of the MLB draft when the Sox grabbed him. 
and we know what his ceiling is going to be. He's going to hit you a ton of singles, but he's going to make every play at second base, and he's going to make the right plays on the base path. And so far in his very young White Sox career, Nick Madrigal uh, runs into outs on the base paths, and he gets you further away from outs when he's out in the field. Just You can't have that uh, if you plan on uh, winning a World Series this year from your second baseman. Not at all. I mean, just I just don't know what he brings to the table because every single time I look at him, yeah, he gets the bat on the ball and it's usually a single or a double. If you're going to be that guy, you better be flawless. Otherwise, you better be a plus base runner. He is a minus as a base runner. You better glove everything. He's made five errors in his short stint as a major league player. And I know errors are not great uh, valuers of being a defensive player, but at second base, yes, at second you base, make, yeah. you should make, you should make very little errors. It's a, the throws are easy. The throw he was making to TA is pretty simple. It's a straight pivot, getting the ball to him, secure an out. Like you were talking about, he was rushing to get two, secure an out. You're up a, a run. In the eighth inning, with a filthy guy in there, and Aaron Bummer, you saw him. You like you said, induce weak contact to you. So let's get in now. Even if that's just throwing out Shohei at first, make the right play, but get it done though. I, I, I and you know, people listening, this well, he's a young player, guys. He's on the field. He is on the field. And he, he, he played field, college. You got to play right. He played college at a high level. He sh- he should know these things already. And maybe youth uh, in this situation where you, you're you're involved in a game and you're and you're trying to secure a victory late in the game, and you know how these things late in a ball game at the big league level can spiral out of control. And you see one of your best relievers go out there and just catch a bad break. Like you know, I don't want to blame Aaron Bummer for letting that ball ricochet off his glove. It was his, it was his reflex. Sometimes that happens. The best of the best often will know not to try to make that play. But, you know, it's game one uh, of a guy who's, you know, not a particularly a gold glover out there, you know, on the mound. And, you know, just things happen. But when you're at second base in that spot and the next guy comes up and gets you a tailor-made ground ball, you have to know, okay, let me at least get one out right here and stop this thing from from snowballing out of control, which, of course, it does. You come up with, with the, the heart of the Angels lineup, which is as good as any in baseball in terms of a 3-4. So, But before we get to Mike Trout here, then there's the pass ball. It gets by Yasmani, and, you know, that's 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 a, a ball that's got to be corralled by by your your seventy three million dollar man behind home plate. That's mm-hmm. that's something you can't have if you if you have World Series aspirations as well. Yeah, while we had some good pitch framing earlier in the game from Yasmani, stole a strikeout for Lucas Giolito on outside fastball. The problems at catcher persist. He can't catch when it's pretty. It's not an easy play, but it's pretty routine play for a catcher, especially you, like you said, high priced. They got rid of another guy that they could have kept and they signed Yasmani instead and kept him for this reason, because they thought he was a defensive plus catcher. What I've seen, he's good at defense, but sometimes he does the bad things. Like he doesn't catch routine balls that are thrown right to him yeah it's a little bit in the dirt yeah it's a little low catch the ball 
catch the ball and letting that runner get to third was uh, just so frustrating. Like it's, it's bad enough that the air happened. Now let's pick up our second baseman. Let's execute the plays. Cause after that, Aaron Bummer looked decent. He induced the, the things you needed to happen, but all the things that went into that inning made Aaron Bummer look really bad. Uh, he'll get the loss for this one. He'll people will talk smack and they'll use that dumbass cliche. What a bummer! He's a bummer. Yeah, the ni- boom. the ninety and O thing people are talking about. That was the first thing I thought about. Like you know, here we go. After the fifth inning, I was watching this. Like here we go. It's after five, and the Sox have the lead, and of course they can't hold on to, to after one game. But that's just baseball for you, and I find that kind of funny. But it wasn't Aaron Bummer's fault. You know, he basically did his job. He gives up the rocket single to Mike Trout, but, you know, there's not many people who, who can uh, get Mike Trout out uh, on a regular basis. <laughs> you know, they'd be the highest paid pitcher in baseball uh, if they could do that, I would think. And so th- that ties the game up at three. Uh, you get Rendon just to strike out. Uh, then you get another walk uh, to Upton. And, you know, then after that, Pujols, uh, 800 years old, he's out there and, he, and he's able to get – the uh, just just contact that's all you need in that spot and that's why he's going to be a, a hall of famer and you know he gets the run in and and uh, that's all she wrote there so the angels win that one four to three uh just execution late in the game but above all like you know you just you, the, the free passes don't help and you know just the bad defense does not help in, in those spots and you gotta gotta clean that up man it's only one game but we have we have to raise our expectations here i don't want to see this one game stuff when when these are things that we've been talking about since last season in the short season like you know the the stuff by Yasmani the mental errors by Madrigal the, these are when when they lose it's because of stuff like this am i right like i kept thinking about man this is like the shows that we did last year after bad losses like these are running themes when they when they lose a game here so it's not encouraging but it's not the end of the world either i feel good about the Sox going into tomorrow's matchup against the lefty but let's talk about this offense real quick herb not not a great night for the offense tonight they they scatter seven hits uh put up three runs and uh, the uh, the big blast of the night coming off the bat of who else but adam eaton and that would be the go-ahead run Eaton to the pole side, deep to right field. Fowler is back at the wall, it is up, it clangs back in, and it is gone! Bring him home for the first time, welcome back Adam Eaton! And it's 3-1 Sox! <laughs> with my guy the chatty fan out there today randy quaid from major league two's out there herb it's game one are you ready to eat your words about the adam eaton signing <laughs> yes um he's still terrible um it was still a bad move it doesn't matter um great home run he saw a mistake and crushed it it was a great uh piece of hitting uh i just still don't think like the the move in general because the way we're at right now. Well, you well, saw that last that last uh, inning where we're having Lurie Garcia. That at bat was crap. Yeah, which so which one by? Would you like guys. to have someone else other than Lurie Garcia up in that spot? <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, and I know it probably would it would have been Eloy or something like that. I not been hurt, but there goes your depth right there. Are you comfortable with that uh, late in the year against Minnesota? I'm not. No, yeah, it's like oh my god, I. I, I I appreciate what they what he did, and he can only accept the deals that are in front of him. So I'm not necessarily mad at him. I'm mad at the White Sox for 
jumping the market for him. But yeah, the player, if the player that show was here with the White Sox before shows up, I'm all good. I'm all good. And the player that was uh, an integral part of the World Championship Washington Nationals, I'm all good. But I am also weary of the person in the clubhouse, the douche that I remember, <laughs> the that guy. So that's what definitely yeah. I was not a fan of. Yeah, I'm not uh, that guy. I'm not trying to steer you into Adam Eaton conversation. I was just trying to have a, a little fun there. I thought it was mm-hmm. funny though that lineup had a lot of people scratching their heads uh, before the game even started. I know Ozzy was was hammering uh, Tony a little bit in the pregame, talking about uh, you know Barry and Luis Robert at at the end of the lineup, and then you have Eaton hitting second, and it was sort of odd construction. But of course. What happens? Eaton generates the biggest, uh, you know, offensive blast of the night, and you know, Yohan Moncada hitting fourth uh, had a really good night. Probably had the best night of out of anyone there for the White Sox. So, but overall, not not encouraging. Not a, not a ton of great at bats tonight. You know, Dylan Bundy looked pretty sharp early. He had the breaking stuff going, and you knew that would be kind of a recipe for a disaster against guys like Luis Robert and you know you just kept him off balance all night and, and you know you tip your cap to, to Dylan Bundy um, but you know, Luis Robert forcing the issue that was kind of a, an odd move there uh, Luis Robert stealing third w- uh, with two outs there I always freak out a little bit when, when you see that because you feel like it's not necessary but what does it do it's you know next play there's the pass ball you pass ball offense and you know some of the Sox can can generate a run that way so it goes to show you how how dangerous Luis Robert can be up there, even when he didn't look particularly good in his final at bat of the night against uh, Iglesias. But uh, Luis Robert got a little love uh, from the fans in Anaheim. I don't know if you caught that guy. Yeah, it's really good. We need to get a Stacy King harmony. A guy saying, I hear you knew the new Trout 8-8. I thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, overall, Herb, offense tonight, not good. It's got to be better, and I think it will be. Yeah, I think so, too. Um they didn't. I don't think they had their best offensive players out there. When you're ramping up and you're talking about this stud rookie that you have that you drafted a couple of years ago in Andrew Vaughn, and he's sitting on the bench just because there's a guy who's a right-hander. I mean, it it, it strikes me odd. It strikes me really odd. And you sit him for either Lurie Garcia or Zach Collins. It's I. It's either that you don't trust the kid or you want to get these people who have proven a couple times, I mean, Lurie throughout his career and Zach has got a couple coffee that they're not ready for prime time as yet. And if you're talking up this kid as the next coming, he should be in the starting lineup, no matter what the pitcher is great. He'll get some advance versus Andrew Heaney later on tonight, but I want to see your best players, your best offensive players on game one to be batting. It's it should never be going with matchups lefty righty, especially when those lefties are not great. And I have concerns about Zach Collins tonight as well. You know, you, you bury him at the bottom of the order there, hitting eighth, and you know, you figure that's a soft landing for him. He did hit two uh, hard balls tonight. The Sox didn't have many of them. Uh, if if you look at the uh, baseball savant uh, hard hit balls, there was the Sox maybe had about ten all night, but Zach Collins had two of them. When you have Zach Collins going in there against a couple of right-handers, that should be when he feasts out there. And overall, the the results were just not impressive. Again, one game, but you know, great spring and all. But I'm still not a Zach Collins believer here. Um, I want to be, and I saw the left center field stroke that he had 
in spring training, but that was spring training. He might have been facing some subpar pitchers. Dylan Bundy looked great tonight. Uh, let's start with that. He was awesome. His changeup was filthy. Curveball, uh, excellent. Fastball, low 90s, but it was effective. He kept the White Sox off balance. But I am, you know, it's four, what, three or four at-bats for Zach, but I saw the same exact things that I saw years before. I just I just wonder what we're doing exactly with him if he's going to get these sparing uh, at-bats are they going to really platoon him and Vaughn all year long? I hope not. That would be a travesty. For both of them. Yeah, that doesn't. that's not good for either of them in their development. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So pick a guy that you think is going to be going further in their career and let him play. Or, this is a weird thing, let them both play. You have Lurie Garcia as a fourth outfielder and a fifth infielder. Let him do either of the two. Do not have these young players who you drafted in top 10, both of them, let them play every day and let them fail or let them succeed. And you already know what Lurie is. There's nothing going to be extraordinary coming out of his bat or his glove. So um, I don't want to be having this discussion all year long where Lurie's playing over one of those guys. Two, Tomorrow, it'll, it'll be when, two when weeks. He plays, I, I guarantee that. Zach Collins won't play because they're like, oh, he's a left-hander. You can't hit left-handers. It's just like, can we can we just have somebody solid out there? Who are we going to have at DH if Vaughn's in left and there's a left-hander up? Are we just going to go with my guy, Yermin? Or is that we're just, just we're going to be doing rotating de- designated hitters until Eloy comes back? Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't know. I don't know the right answer either because the options are not ideal. They're suboptimal, and that's what happens when you lose – when you're probably literally your best power hitter, uh, you know, a week before opening day, but it goes back to the problem of of uh, roster construction and redundancies, and you know, placing your bets on unknown commodities as opposed to known commodities that you can acquire in free agency. So it's it's not encouraging. Uh, I think ultimately this team will have the offensive power firepower to withstand that, and you're only talking about uh, two weeks here. Uh, like I said, with Adam Engel coming back, hopefully in two weeks. But yeah, it's 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 not good. Let, let's talk about uh, Lucas Giolito tonight before we move on and, and wrap this up here. So Lucas Giolito finishes uh, his evening tonight. Let's pull up his uh, final line score here. Giolito goes five and a third, gives up just two hits, two runs, both of them earn two walks, which hurt him. Uh, eight Ks, gave up the home run to Stasi uh, and. Uh, you know, he he looked pretty good early. He looked really good early. But then I think he, I don't know if he lost focus there towards the end. This is kind of, it's a really tough lineup in the middle of it for the Angels with the Trout and Rendon. But but above that, you know, like it's it's not a lineup that's going to be demoralizing to you by any means. But what'd you make of Lucas kind of just, you know, uh, sputtering off after a really solid spring where he looked like he was locked and loaded early on in this game as well. Uh, Did you see him just kind of maybe lose a little focus or sometimes when you're going up against the Angels and Mike Trout, sometimes you're you're better off just yielding the free pass, but you got to be able to overcome that uh, to the next guys in the order, which he could not. Yeah, I thought that he um, walking Trout I thought it was a good idea. I After he got down, there's no reason to challenge him in that regard and that uh, time. Now, I thought the Rendon thing, it was a little bit troubling when he walked to him. Um, hmm, I just, yeah, maybe he lost a little gas. I remember last year where the opening game where he was the opposite 
where he started off weak and then kind of got his strength a little bit later. He was awesome early. And maybe he lost a little intensity, a little bit of the uh, pinpoint accuracy. The people start sitting on his changeup. The Stassi home run was his sitting on changeup and crushing it. Um, but what can you do? You only give up two runs. No, three runs in five and a third. Not optimal, but it's ramping up to a full season. I would take that effort from Lucas probably once every every fifth start. But, you know, today the offense didn't really do its job, so it looks a little bit worse. Uh, I I just liked his start so much yeah. that I would give this an overall positive grade, a net positive grade for Lucas Giolito. Yeah, it sucks that he uh, gave it up a little later, but, man, can't uh, argue with all those strikeouts and how he looked early. Sorry, it's only two earned runs, so he was five and a third and two earned runs. Sorry, my bad. Yeah, so two earned runs for Lucas Giolito. Yeah, exactly. Just, you know, he was good enough to win, and that's all that matters, I think. Um, we're going to take a quick time out here, and when we come back, we're going to talk about Tony La Russa's night. Uh, we'll be right oh, back. Correct me, huh? Um, when we come back, we'll take a quick timeout. We'll talk about Tony LaRusa's uh, second time around in a White Sox <laughs> uniform. We'll talk about that after a quick timeout here on Locked On White Sox. Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. They are the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's done, NBA's heating up, college hoops winding down as well, NHL's in full swing. But we're talking about baseball futures and prop bets, over-unders, all that good stuff in today's show. Just go to betonline.ag and place your bets. Maybe you disagree with what Herb and I are saying. Go in there, put your money where your mouth is, and place your money at betonline.ag. They cover everything, including award shows, TV shows, and even reality TV. The odds are updated in real time, and there's props on almost anything you can imagine. Betonline.ag has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds as well. It's the best way to place your bets, and best of all, it's free to sign up just head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you'll receive a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts and don't forget so important don't forget our promo code locked on when you sign up so they know that we sent you betonline.ag if you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aaron Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, Herb. So, Tony La Russa, his, his second time around with the White Sox tonight. Had a couple of uh, moments here, one good and, and one bad. The uh, first one kind of piggybacks off of what we were talking about with Lucas Giolito. He got the quick hook from Tony. He, he started to get knocked around a little bit uh, in the sixth inning, and after giving up some solid contact for an out early, uh, Tony comes out right away and pulls him. I thought that was a good move by him, and I was like, okay, here we go. We're going to start to see Tony's strength, which is, which is managing the bullpen. What would you make of uh, Lucas getting the quick hook, uh, especially on opening night? Um, I think Lucas was, what, 87 pitches, yep. wasn't looking his best. I didn't mind Cody Hoyer coming into the game right then, and Cody looked strong in the game. So while Lucas was a little perturbed, I thought 
this is about as many pitches as he's going to throw today. I was actually aiming for about 95. So eight, coming to 87, it's in the area of I was thinking of. And um, I didn't mind. I wasn't having gripes with Tony specifically about that move. What about you? Um, no, I thought it was good. I, you know, you, the bullpen is supposed to be one of your strengths this year, and I think it will be, even though I saw that there was conversation on Twitter um, from uh, you know from, from some folks about how bullpens can be sometimes erratic, and I agree with that that sentiment. But I think overall, you'll take your chances with the guys that are throwing it up up and upwards towards 100 miles an hour, like Cody Hoyer is. So I like that move by Tony. I think maybe an, another manager would have would have let Lucas talk him into it. Maybe a, a younger manager. Um, you know, so I like that move, but there was another move that I didn't necessarily like that much. And we finally have some clarity here in the post game. And I'll read this comment to, to you in, in, briefly here in a second. But uh, seventh inning, um, Nick Madrigal singles. Uh, he gets on base and is with two outs. He get, he's on first and then. He's thrown out trying to steal second base, and this is not something we talked about in our first segment where we talked about Madrigal, but he's thrown out trying to steal second. Replay showed that he was probably in there, but then uh, it was a clear spot where Tony, in essence, had a, a free challenge there, and he elected not to challenge. Now, we saw I had a great shot. Shout out to NBC Sports Chicago or whoever was providing that feed. I don't know if the road video teams are traveling like they were last year, not traveling. So... Tony's got 20 seconds, and the video team have 20 seconds to figure out if they're going to challenge the play or not. They elect not to, and we find out after the game that uh, they did not have enough time. They, they, the time was shortened from 30 seconds last year to 20 seconds this year, and this is from James Fegan. LaRusso said they received word from their video review team to challenge the call on Nick Madrigal being thrown out, stealing second to end the seventh, but by the time the message had been relayed, their 20-second window had expired. Window was reduced this year from 30 seconds. So, yeah, that that that's one they would have liked to have back. It ended up being at academic because there was two strikes already on TA with two outs, and he looked bad flailing at a, at a breaking ball outside the zone to end the inning. So ultimately it didn't cost them anything, but that's one of these things here that uh, we're going to be on the lookout for Tony. There's already a lot of conversation on Twitter. Like, is he awake in there? Like what's going on? Like, is he, is he with it enough? So I don't know if that's a fair thing to say about the guy, but it, you, they used, they were right there with the stopwatch. Like his, I forgot who it was standing right next to him. I don't know if it was, uh, if it was Shelly Duncan or who it was, but they had the stopwatch and you, you thought that they were going to be able to make a decision quickly, but ultimately it turns out they were not able to. Is that you think? Is that something that's concerning for you going forward with Tony? Well, yes, because it's there's multiple things. Lawrence Holmes points out that there's no consequence to that challenge because you have one up the, till the seventh inning, and then after that, you can ask the umps to challenge a play. So there's really no, you're, you're going to lose, use it or lose it there. So what's going on with his knowledge of the rules currently? being gone from the game for so long where they didn't have challenges back in the day when he was uh, last managing. So yeah, he needs, and the rest of the organization needs to know what the rules are and why challenging that right there meant so much. And yeah, I hear what you say that Tim, you know, eventually got out, but maybe with Nick at second, the pitcher pitches differently. He well, yeah, you saw it early in the game with Luis Robert, like stolen base, pass ball, and all of a sudden you're back in the mix. Yeah, so yeah, mm -hmm. your your point is valid. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, can we just play and you you know as a manager, 
you're supposed to put your players in the best position possible. And maybe he didn't there. Maybe he did. I don't know. But in that regard, your team, even if Tony doesn't know, you're supposed to have some people on the bench, Miguel Cairo, others, like you said, Shelly Duncan, to let him know, hey, we should challenge this no matter what. I don't care if the video review has it. And that's a failure on the video review people. Big time failure. I don't care. This is you, you should been. This is your real games. These count. You should have been doing this in spring training for yourself for practice to get this right and getting plays reviewed under 10 seconds for yourself. So you can tell the manager who has to make the decision under 20 seconds. That's a failure club wide. Yeah, I, I would have to agree. You know, we don't know all the, the specifics about that. You know, I was watching at home and I don't know. You, they have their own feed, I assume. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they had the feed that we saw because the feed that we saw showed uh, – I forgot who was on, who was pitching in that, that particular moment, but that, that view was – the first view was blocked. You couldn't tell if he was safe or out in the first view. Then you were able to get a little better uh, view uh, the second time around. But also in the moment, you know, Benetti and Stone were right on top of it saying he was safe. So you should know in the moment whether or not it's going to be a close one. And if your gut says, ooh, that was kind of bang, bang, maybe we should just roll out the challenge anyway, especially as I said, as Lawrence said, you know, it's a free challenge at that point. So a uh, little concerning there. I would love to know the logistics of what happened behind the scenes and why it took so long. Uh, Got to get that tightened up as well. Ultimately ended up uh, not mattering. But, yeah, just uh, just not, you know, go back to a 40-year-old virgin. You know, no, sorry, the knocked up. We're just tight. Got to get tighter. We got to tighten here. Um, very, very loose for the White Sox tonight defensively. Uh, not great at bats. Uh, bullpen a little, little shaky despite, the you know, for the most part, doing the job they were supposed to do. But uh, all I could say is, uh, you know, Go back and, and get him tomorrow with the lefty on the mound and wash this uh, taste out of our mouth. And regrettably, this is our last show of the week, so we'll, we'll be back on Monday uh, with the recap. Uh, and I'm just going over my notepad here. Anything else that we need to uh, mention here before we uh, cleanse our, our palates of this game? Uh, R.I.P. to Eloy. You, you know, it's you hate to see them uh, die so young, uh, <laughs> but the, the jersey in the dugout there hanging for Eloy was a little morbid. Um, but yeah, whatever it is, they love the kid and to have your leader out there, your MVP, who's going to question Pito bringing the Jersey out there. Um, home plate, home plate umpire, Larry Vanover. There's no damn good tonight for either side. Not so, at all. so that's why I want to bury this in the final moments here because that, you know, it just not ideal. It's not what you want for, for either side, you know? Um, so we, we, hope we don't see that again by the time the series is over. And uh, amazing thing, Albert Pujols, 21 opening day starts. I thought that was amazing uh, to see that. But other than that, Herb, uh, anything else, uh, any takeaways that you have from tonight before we get up out of here? I'm going to end on a positive. Yoan Moncada getting on base four, three out of the four times that he was in the game today at the plate. So very positive to see two doubles for Yoan Moncada. So he's got the stroke Going again, I guess they only gave him uh, credit for one of those. I thought he had two. No, he only had one. The bloop to left field, uh, opposite field bloop to left field was a double. And then he got a single later deep in the right field, center, right center field. But um, that's a really positive thing to see. He um, was struggling last year. I think this is a nice bounce back year for him. He was gloving it that last out, I believe, in the bottom of the eighth where he had to make a bang-bang playing with a guy going down the line really fast. So I think it was Iglesias, and he showed off that cannon again. It's good to see that Yohan Moncada is 
seemingly fully recovered from the COVID, and he looks like the player that showed up in 2019. Absolutely. I, I like that. Ending on a positive, we'll take a quick time out here to tell you what's coming up uh, next week here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Built Bar. We've been telling you guys for a while now about Built Bar. They've been down with the show pretty much ever since the beginning, and they are the best-tasting protein bar on the market, and they've been so for a long time now, and it's amazing that these things are so delicious because they are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. They shouldn't be tasty, but they are. They found a way to make it delicious, and you know why? It's because they're covered in 100% chocolate, and now's the time to find out which Built Bar is the best and most tasty flavor? Just go to Built Bar on Twitter, at bar underscore built, because it's Built Bar Madness. You can vote for yourself. You're sick of me hearing about coconut and my new favorite flavor, German chocolate cake, which I'll get to in a second. But now you can go and you can decide which Built Bar is the best flavor. And that German chocolate cake, by the way, German chocolate cake was one of my favorite things to eat in my less healthier days. But now Built Bar has managed to get the flavor of a German chocolate piece of cake in one of their built bars and best of all 17 grams of protein and only five grams of sugar in this one 180 calories it serves as a great after dinner treat it keeps me filled up or even an afternoon snack i keep them in my desk at work they are delicious so go to builtbar.com now and get 15 percent off your next order do not forget that promo code folks so many people have reached out even my mom called me the other day asking for the promo code i said locked 15 don't you listen good god mom but they're going to order some built bars for themselves and i could not be happier about it and thank you guys for all your interactions on twitter telling us what your favorite flavors are built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever go to built bar on Twitter at bar underscore built, and you can vote to see who will become the best tasting protein bar. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, yeah, not a whole lot of uh, angry voicemails tonight. As a matter of fact, there were, there were none of them. Uh, we, we did get one funny one here from uh, someone we know. I don't know if we want to blow his uh, his cover uh, here, but uh, we, this is one that we got this evening. Uh, hey, it's the bad cat. I don't know what the roost is doing. Maybe he's drinking in the dugout. Madrigal was safe in second. Okay, great show. Yeah, that's a very, very inside joke. Uh, uh, playing to great. two people. Uh, that's me and you. So I appreciate that 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 great caller there with great White Sox content who was knocked out of the 108 tourney uh, way uh, far too early. Uh, yeah. But coming up on Monday, we'll have a recap of the weekend. And we'll do a little mailbag. And how can they get a hold of us in the mailbag? Both, uh, both, a, you know, with the email and with the voicemail. How can the folks do that? Email us at lockedonsocks at gmail.com, lockedonsocks at gmail.com. And if you want to send us a voicemail, like the black cat right there, 312 566 8727. That is Baines, AJ. Mark Burley, Jorge Orta, Bo Jackson, Carlton Fisk, and Tim. Anderson, if you want to leave a voicemail, please do it during the game. Like tomorrow when we're killing or later on tonight when we're killing Andrew Heaney. We're doing this after midnight, so it is today. Um, Andrew Heaney, leave us some great joyful ones. I, I'm i not guaranteed because those you know fell a little short. I think I was five and three in my guarantees last year. So, But I think we're going to get into Andrew Heaney's ass and continue our left field, <laughs> our left-hander success uh this week yeah so you know we'll, we'll recap the best voicemails from the weekend and get into your emails as well i haven't even 
yeah, there are a couple emails in there that we haven't gotten to yet. So we'll, we'll take care of that on Monday show. And, and then following that, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll just, we'll have post game recaps from, uh, the, the rest of the games on the West coast. I can't, I'm not built for this man. It's 1230, uh, AM central time here in Chicago. Uh, yeah, I hope to get the show up by 1 AM. I thought it'd be posted by midnight and we're already way behind. I'm so glad we're getting this out of the way early. I suppose that's the only bright side I could see to these West coast games, man. Yeah, let's have none, no more. I mean, ah, son of a bitch, we're going to be in Seattle this weekend, too. That's Fuck. what I mean, yeah. <laughs> I hate so, it. Yeah, so, you know, it is what it is. You know, we'll, we'll have, We better win all of them, man. Yeah, I don't mind we're if gonna we win. We're going to be recording this late. We gotta be, better be joyful at these damn uh, late-night sessions. Yeah, I'm riding high because it's opening day, and there was a lot of good calls that we got about opening day and people being excited, but now just it turned into anger, and I hit the wall around the seventh inning because I knew how this game was going to end. So, yeah, man, hopefully we have something good to talk about on Monday, which I think we will. All right, Herb, so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, uh, let's let's set the over-under of victories at one and a half. Are you going over or under? Over. Okay. Yeah, I'm going over. I think the White Sox will win the rest of those games in this series. All right. Wow. They're, they'll take the next three, huh? I like it. Yes. I like your optimism. Yes. I yes. think I think I, they'll I think take. Gonna eat. I think they'll take two or three, and then mm-hmm. uh, they'll go into Seattle. Uh, you know, in, in good standing there, right, right? You know, right at the even slate there. So, yeah, I would be disappointed. You would be. Okay. Yeah, they well, split the series. I know in in good teams split on the road, but I don't think this is a good team. I think this is a great team. So let's go. Let's let's put the put, pedal to the metal. I don't think the Angels are in any great shakes, especially their pitching staff. They're you know they they can hit their asses off, and to hold them to four, only four runs today is a mighty achievement. But we should be killing Andrew Heaney. And I don't even know the pitchers except for Otani on Sunday. I don't know the pitcher who's going to be pitching on uh, Saturday. I haven't looked at the name, but I looked at it and saw it. I was like, I'm not impressed with that. Doesn't impress me much. <laughs> wow, you know when when it's, when you make the Shania Twain references, I think that's it's when time it's, to go sleep. It's yeah. time to go. Yeah. All right. So I'll I will see you tomorrow or later today at work, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday here on the show. But that's all I got. So that's Chris Tannehill at Chris Tannehill on Twitter. My name is Herb Lawrence Ecknerwall twenty three. To follow me on Twitter, and if you're gonna follow me on Twitter, don't complain that I tweet a lot on Twitter. You can unfollow me, and also. Don't need to announce your departure. Just leave. We got it. Alex Cobb. Um, Alex Cobb, by the way, on on Saturday. Against, that doesn't impress me against, much. Yeah, against Lance Lynn. So We're, we should be hitting Mr. Cobb very hard. All right. Somebody got that one. All right. No one? Let's Anybody? Get, all right. Yeah, fine. Inception? Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way you email us. At LockedOnSocks is our Twitter handle. And if you go to our YouTube page, subscribe. Hit the notifications bell. Maybe you can get a Locked on Sox prize pack. So for Chris Tannehill, my name is Herb Lawrence. I wish this was a victorious opening day, but it isn't. But we'll see you next time on Locked on Sox.